morning. morning. Welcome to morning prayers. Please stand as you are able to join me in a responsive reading of Psalm number 55, found on page 28 in your Black Appleton Psalter book. Hear my prayer, O God. Do not hide yourself from my petition. Listen to me and answer me. I have no peace because of my prayers. I am shaken by the noise of the enemy and by the pressure of the wicked. They are casting a spell upon me and are set against me in fury. My heart quakes within me and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling have come over me, and the me. And I said, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. For I had been an adversary who taunted me, then I could afford it, or had been enemies who altered themselves against me, then I could have been in But it was you, someone after my own heart, my companion, my own familiar friend. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the throne in the house of God. Cast your burden upon God, who will sustain you. God will never let the righteous stumble. This morning's reading comes from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 15, verse 21. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Here ends the lesson. Growing up at my home church, confirmation class happens in ninth grade. And it's a tradition that right before Confirmation Sunday, the pastor comes to visit the class and takes the time to answer the burning religious questions of 13 and 14-year-olds. 
Now, I have been waiting for years to ask my question, so I was very excited when this evening happened. And so I eagerly raised my hand and waited patiently. And when it was my turn, I said, why do we have a prayer of confession? And why do I have to pray it every week? You know, there are some weeks when I think I've actually been pretty good. I don't know if I need to ask for forgiveness from God if I'm unaware of doing anything bad. Now, as I've gotten older and my faith has matured, my faith has matured, my understanding of confession and forgiveness have changed. I understand the importance it has to my personal faith and the centrality that it has to my Christian heritage. However, for much of my life, I've still been uncomfortable with this one three-letter word, sin. And I suspect that I'm not alone in this camp. It's a lot easier for me to talk about God's love and mercy and grace rather than sin and repentance. And often I resort to words such as brokenness and faults and shortcomings to describe this reality of what it means to be disconnected from God and from one another. I, however, have learned that talking around sin will not make sin go away. As theologian Paul Tillich perceived, we cannot talk around the great words of our religious tradition. And when we do so, we diminish their meaning. And we as human beings will continue to experience alienation and death, no matter what we call them. As Barbara Brown Taylor aptly observes, abandoning the language of sin will simply leave us speechless and increase our denial of its presence in our lives. And ironically, it also weakens the language of grace since the full impact of forgiveness cannot be felt apart from the full impact of what has been forgiven. One reason I think sin can be difficult to articulate or to comprehend is because it, it covers a whole wide range of experiences. We speak of sins as individual wrong, wrongdoings or transgressions against one another. But we also talk about sin as the social injustice embedded within our societal structures. And what is more, what is considered sinful for one person or church may not be called sinful by another. Augustine provided the understanding of sin as pride, valuing oneself above God which has served as the standard understanding of sin for hundreds and hundreds of years. But within the past century or so, theologians have challenged this notion as narrow-minded in its perspective. Feminist theologian Susan Dunphy observed that for some people, their sin is not pride, it's hiding. The sin of hiding is when someone consents to the roles and expectations of others, to the detriment of caring and facing the responsibility of oneself. 
This reality rings particularly true for someone with less power in our society. Those who are taught to sacrifice themselves over and over and over again. And sometimes we use limited or imperfect metaphors in our attempt to explain sin and repentance. On more than one occasion, I've heard someone use medical terminology, such as illness and cure, to describe sin and repentance. This conception, however, does not acknowledge, acknowledge that we have some agency or some choice in how we respond to our life circumstances. Other times we talk about it using legal jargon. We conceive of sin as a set of behaviors to be avoided and repentance as a debt to be paid. And although sin is contextual, it's also universal. Deep down in our human existence, we share this experience of what it means to be cut off, to turn away from the light, to eat the forbidden fruit. We all know that ache, that ache that gnaws at us from the pit of our stomachs. And in the end, sin is not an illness or a violation of laws, but a violation of relationship. Sin is the wrecked relationship one has with one another and with God. And when we name this reality as sin, it demands something of us. And I believe it begins with a confession. It's an admission of our frailty as humans, of our needs for God and God's forgiveness. Our articulated recognition is that there is a distance between where we are and who God calls us to be. And with confession, sin can actually be seen as a source of hope in our acknowledgement that something is wrong and something needs to change. And when we confess that we need God, God responds again and again and again with an outpouring of extravagant forgiveness. And this, my friends, is grace. My favorite biblical parable is the prodigal son, because it assures us that no matter how far we've gone, no matter what we've done, we are always welcomed home. God is there to greet us at the door with abundant forgiveness and unconditional love. Sometimes we speak of repentance as preceding grace but that makes it too dependent upon us. Forgiveness is God's gift to give. It is, however, up to us to receive it and then to act as forgiven people in the world. Will you join me in saying the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now please stand as you are able to join and sing our closing hymn, Now the Green Blade Riseth, hymn number 180 in your Crimson Hymnal, hymn number 180. Today, please, please, please be sure to stop by and join our community for Mem Cafe um, and conversation and coffee and all these different types of activities you can engage in in the memorial room to my left. And now as we go into this day, may God's peace rest, rule, and abide in each and every one of your lives and mine from this day on until we meet again. Let every heart say, Amen. Amen.